This is Finally Free, a podcast for those sick of battling their bodies, sick of fearing food and the number on the scale, sick of punishing exercise all in the pursuit of diet culture's version of health and wellness. I'm Alana Vandersloos, a certified intuitive eating counselor, eating disorder survivor, and the founder of Freedom with Food and Fitness, where I offer group coaching for women who are ready to heal their relationship with food in their bodies and become their healthiest, happiest, most confident selves without ever having to go on another diet. On this podcast, you will hear me answer your biggest questions around how to become a successful intuitive eater. You'll hear inspiring stories of other women on their food freedom journeys, those who are recovering, those who are recovered, and those who are helping others to do the same. I'll teach you how to quiet that incessant voice in your head telling you you're not enough, how to find peace and satisfaction with food again, how to embrace the one and only body you have with fitness you enjoy so you can move through this world with confidence. Are you ready to be finally free? Before we get started, I want to remind you of everything I have to offer with Freedom with Food and Fitness. First, I offer group coaching. My 10-week intuitive eating coaching program is called Defy the Diet, and it blends intuitive eating principles and mindset work in a hybrid format that blends group and private one-on-one coaching to give my clients amazing results. My summer cohort client, Adriana, had this to say about me as her coach. Alana's helped me to develop a healthy relationship with food and helped me uncover the root causes of my disordered eating. She's very open and honest about her own previous struggles in her journey, which empower me and the other ladies in the group to have deep conversations about the challenges and pressures we face from diet culture in our society. Uh, it's testimonials like that that seriously make everything I do for my clients and my business worth every second. If you're someone who wants true mental and physical health without restriction and obsession, stop overeating, find consistency in nutrition, movement, and self-care, and take the guilt out of wellness, this program is for you. If you're ready for your ticket to find food freedom, enrollment is currently closed until the spring, but you can fill out an application and schedule a call with me at freedomwithfoodandfitness.com slash call. That's freedomwithfoodandfitness.com slash call. We'll talk all about your current struggles, flesh out those goals, and create a clear step-by-step roadmap. We'll travel together to finally get you to those goals. We have a brand new coach coming on board and five new Defy the Diet package options to help make this program more supportive than ever. An insanely effective program tailored to your needs and your budget. Spots that include one-on-one coaching are limited every time that we offer the program. So again, go to freedomwithfoodandfitness.com slash call to apply today. If you're not quite ready for coaching, check me out on Instagram at freedomwithfoodandfitness. There, I have free quizzes to assess your relationship to food and fitness, articles I've written, exclusive blog posts, free intuitive eating worksheets and videos, and so much more. Also, one more thing. I'll be giving a TEDx talk on January 14th. I cannot believe I'm actually saying that. I am both completely honored and completely scared out of my mind. The talk is called How to Make Health and Wellness Accessible to All. So it's all about the issues we see with our current singular view of what health and wellness is and who gets to experience it, and also what we can do to recreate a vision of wellness that is inclusive on a global scale. If this idea resonates with you, if it lights you up, and it's something that you too feel passionate about, you have the opportunity to help me spread the word. 
you can join my TEDx street team where literally all you have to do is share the TEDx talk everywhere and anywhere you can. When you sign up, you get an email with a really simple guide that spells out where and how you can share the talk, and I even provide you with swipe copy, which is basically optional templates you can copy and paste into posts, because trust me, I know you guys are busy too. But it would mean the world to me if we can get the main TED Talk page to take notice and post this TEDx talk, because that means potentially millions of people will see this super important message of inclusive health and wellness. Plus, if you join the street team, there are perks from free masterclasses to resources to even private one-on-one coaching sessions. So if you're in and you want to help in a really easy and quick way, head over to freedomwithfoodandfitness.com slash TEDx to sign up before January 14th. Again, that's freedomwithfoodandfitness.com slash TEDx, T-E-D-X. Welcome to another bonus episode of the Finally Free podcast. So this one was done for Fit Faces, which is an app for face yoga, uh, and that is founded by Natalia Broberg. She's the founder and head coach at Fit Faces Face Yoga. She's also a Stanford certified health coach, and we did this interview to put on her app. Uh, so that uh, people who have her app can kind of see what other people are doing in the health and wellness spaces. And she was so nice to reach out to me. I had a really good conversation with her. And what we kind of centered the conversation on was the misconceptions when it comes to intuitive eating. Um, These are myths that a lot of people who are just kind of learning about intuitive eating or beginners at intuitive eating might fall into the trap of believing. So we tease out a lot of myths and misconceptions in this conversation. So I thought it would be really great for any of you newbies out there who are thinking about becoming intuitive eaters or kind of really scared to start the journey because of some of the things that you heard, listening to this conversation might quiet some of those fears. So I thought it'd be really useful to you guys. So without further ado, enjoy this bonus episode and my conversation with Natalia Broberg. Hi, everybody. I'd like to welcome Alana into our guest expert section. Alana is an intuitive nutrition coach or an expert, uh, and she's going to tell you everything you need to know about it to get familiar with it and see if it's something you'd like to implement into your life. Uh, Or perhaps not, who knows, but I'm sure after this talk, there'll be definitely um, some interesting piece of information for you to digest. Hi, Alana. Hi, Natalia. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you very much. Alana, could you tell uh, our uh, spectators a little bit about yourself? Sure. So my name is Alana Vandersloos, and I'm a certified intuitive eating counselor, which means I'm basically an intuitive eating coach. Um, I'm the founder of Freedom with Food and Fitness, which is an online community where I coach both men and women basically the the philosophy of intuitive eating, how to implement intuitive eating, uh, and how to achieve and pursue health without diets, obsession, or restriction. All right, fantastic. Uh, I'm not sure that everybody here knows what intuitive eating actually is. Uh, Could you go a little bit more into details of intuitive eating? So intuitive eating is an anti-diet philosophy. It is backed by over 100 scientific studies uh, uh, regarding its validity as uh, uh, a way to pursue health without diet. So although some people may lose 
weight with intuitive eating. Intuitive eating is not another diet. It's It doesn't have weight loss as the primary goal. The primary goal of intuitive eating is to, again, it's an avenue. If, if if health is a goal of yours, it's not a goal for everybody. And, you know, no one has a moral obligation to be pursuing health for themselves. But if you are someone who wants to pursue health, intuitive eating is a way to pursue health without dieting, without calorie restriction or macro counting or having to get to a certain goal weight. It's basically eating intuitively, which intu intuition means trusting your own body, listening to your own body. So you eat when you're hungry, you stop when you, you're full, you honor your cravings, and you do keep in mind general nutritional guidelines that were given, you know, from the organizations that give gives those things to us. And you still move your body or exercise in a way that feels good to you and that you can stay realistically consistent with. So there is a nutrition and an exercise component to intuitive eating, but it's much more of a gentler approach to both of those things. It's not, you know, rigid uh, eating plans or counting or measuring or weighing or any of those things where you're trying to have a really tight grip on some sort of goal weight or goal or, or body aesthetic. It's just very natural listening to your own body and letting your body settle where it was always genetically meant to settle. That sounds fascinating and something that I definitely love to try, you know, is when you're not framed, when you actually have the freedom and you have to listen to your body. Uh, it's an interesting approach and uh, I haven't heard much of it. How did you come up with it? Like how, what, what led you to this approach or to implementing this approach into your life and teaching it? Sure. So when I was in my twenties, so, well, actually I'm going to back up even further than that. Um, I came to this work of intuitive eating because when I was a child, I, I, ex I excelled like in school and extracurricular activities. And I was always able to kind of measure my performance with things like grades, right? Um, and I kind of knew my place in the world and knew my worth based on those things, those those metrics. And then when I graduated college, I was kind of in the quote unquote adult world, the real world where there's really no, there's no grade, there's no measurement of like how worthy you are. And I felt very untethered. I felt very out of control. I didn't know kind of my place in the world. And it was the first time in my life that I didn't have this sense of control. I didn't know what my next move was in life. <laughs> and I decided as many people do when they start a diet is I wanted to take control of something because we don't want to feel like we have no control over our lives. So I took control of my weight and I was like, okay, I want to get down to this goal weight. And I started restricting my calories. I started like following a diet and I got down to my goal weight. And when I got there, I didn't feel a sense of accomplishment really. I didn't feel happy. I didn't feel any more confident in my body or that I had really, I guess, achieved anything. And then I was like, okay, well, you know what, maybe another five pounds. And then I would get down to that weight and I still didn't feel that way. And then it would be another and another. And it became this goal of, I want to be as thin as I can, because that's what I felt like would make me pretty and would make me worthy in a time where I didn't know how to measure my worthiness. So I ended up with three different eating disorders over the course of seven years in my twenties. Yeah. Um, I had binge eating disorder, which is basically when 
you go through these binge restrict cycles. You restrict your calorie intake. You're very, you know, people might phrase it as they're eating really clean or eating really good during the week. And then by the weekend, I was so malnourished and suffering from a lack of variety in my foods and sick of um, restricting myself from the things I really wanted to eat that on the weekends, you know, after a cocktail or two with my girlfriends and my inhibitions were lowered, I was like, you know, I deserve that XYZ food and I'm going to eat it because I've, I've been so good all week and I would eat it, but I would binge on it. I would eat way too much food in one sitting and then I would physically feel really uncomfortable. I felt so much shame because then I was like, oh my gosh, I undid all the, the good quote unquote that I did during the week. Um, I'm going to gain all this weight. I've, I've, you know, uh, undermined my, my, my goal weight. I, uh, starting Monday, I have to, I have to be good again. I have to start eating clean again. And then I, the cycle would continue and continue. So that was my binge eating disorder. And then I also had body dysmorphia, which is when you fixate on either a very minor flaw that you have or just a perceived flaw, like a flaw you don't even really have. And for me, it was my stomach. That's always the place I was really self-conscious about. And I would constantly body check. I would always like go to the mirror, like lift up my shirt and then do it again and again. And I would spend collectively probably hours a day doing this, thinking, you know, it was going to change somehow, but I was very insecure about that part of my body. And no matter how thin I became, I never saw that part of my body as okay. I like, I never arrived at where I thought I needed to look. Uh, and a lot of that's based on genetics, but that, that's a whole different conversation. So, and then I also had orthorexia, which kind of went with my binge eating disorder. Orthorexia is where you're very fixated on clean eating. Like there are good foods and bad foods and safe foods and, you know, foods you're not supposed to eat. And I got myself down to like 10 foods that I was allowed to have. It was like boiled chicken, egg whites, oatmeal, vegetable. You know, it was like very, very rigid. Um, and, you know, you say what you want about nutrition. Like obviously more nutritiously dense foods are um, better for your overall health than, you know, cake and ice cream all day long. But when we're coming from a place of fear, like you're fearing these foods, like you're actually afraid of them and you you can't eat them without going into like a, anxious shame spiral, that's a problem. Um, you know, there, there could be too much of a good thing. Uh, and that's, that's what orthorexia was for me. So, um, I ended up finding intuitive eating, uh, on Instagram and on podcasts. And I was listening to these, these podcasts with these women who had gone through the same things that I had gone through. And I was like, Oh my God, like, this is a thing. Like, I'm not alone. I'm not crazy. Like people have these behaviors and they're a problem and there's a way to fix it. And I was just like, I immersed myself in, in this world of intuitive eating and health at every size and body positivity. And I was like, Oh my God, like, I don't have to live like this. And I don't think a lot of women realize that like, you don't have to die. You don't have to be always pursuing this goal weight or this goal body. And it just, it blew my mind. So it took, it took a while to heal. Um, but, but I used books and podcasts and Instagram to, to really heal myself from my eating disorders. And I've been an English teacher, a high school English teacher for 11 years at this point. And during the pandemic, we were all home and like, 
had nothing to do. And I just started thinking, I was like, you know, I, I have this skill of teaching, which is very similar to coaching. And I have this burning passion for intuitive eating because it saved my life. Like, how can I marry those two things and help other people who are going through what I was going through? And that's how Freedom in, with Food and Fitness was born. That's how I got um, my certification to to be an intuitive eating counselor. So it's it's been a long journey, but it's it's made me really happy to see that my struggles weren't in vain and now I can kind of give back. That sounds like, that sounds like an awesome story, honestly. And like that you've got a lot of experience and had to go through a lot yourself. Uh, however, you, you mentioned a lot of times body positive and body positivity, and there is a lot of misuse of this kind of term if I could put it that way and people think that oh I'm just gonna let myself go and you know I'm just not gonna do anything whatever I'm body positive I accept myself as I am and even if they're the most unhealthiest people so intuitive meeting is there a misconception too like is it like you know does it also have this meaning the wrong meaning probably of like just letting yourself go and then you say oh no 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 I'm just using intuitive eating it's fine I'm this is you know this is my new style so is there something there absolutely is a misconception about intuitive eating uh, as this you know letting yourself go not caring about your health anymore and it is the exact opposite um our main goal, my main goal as an intuitive eating counselor with my clients is getting you to be your healthiest, happiest, most confident self, but we just do it without that white knuckling grip of the diet, which you don't need. And the science actually tells us doesn't work long-term. If, if we look at the scientific studies, diets work in the short term, but they're typically too restrictive and strict for us to maintain in the long term so we quit them so they don't work long term most people who go on diets once they stop the diet they regain that weight within one to five years that's the science that is what we're seeing so um it, it's not a process of letting yourself go because there are 10 principles to intuitive eating one of them is gentle nutrition which again we want you to drink a lot of water and eat fruits and vegetables and protein and fiber. And it's just that we're not saying, you know, you can't have carbs, carbs are bad. It's how can you add in more healthful foods um, into your diet instead of taking things away? So instead of saying, you know, I can't have carbs, I can't have cake, I can't have whatever. Instead, ask yourself, how can I add in veggies to this meal? How can I add in more protein? How can I add in more fiber? How can I drink more water? How can I find a way to fit in more exercise or movement into my day and do it more consistently within the realistic confines of, you know, everybody's busy schedule? So um, it, it's very... It's coming from a place of abundance as a place to a place of like fear and scarcity, which is which is what diets tend to do. Um, also, there's a principle of uh, joyful movement. That's what we call it. Joyful movement. Um, we use movement as a term in place of exercise, but, you know, they're really interchangeable. But basically, instead of saying, you know, diets will tell you you have to work out for an hour every day and you have to sweat and you have to be so sorry you can't walk the next day and it has to be like this brutal thing that you do to yourself because you're so dissatisfied with your body but with intuitive eating it's more okay let's take a more gentle approach what do you enjoy doing for movement you know it doesn't have to be crossfit or spin class or pilates it could be 
walking or dancing or gardening, um, although it could be CrossFit, it's whatever you like to do. And then taking a look at your schedule and realistically figuring out when you could implement movement in your day. So, you know, the science says that 10 uh, minutes, 10 bouts of um, exercise will get you cardiovascular benefits. And 15 minutes of exercise a day will pretty much get you all of the health and longevity benefits that we typically say that we're looking for when we're exercising for health. You don't need this hour. Um, the, the powers that be, the organizations that, that tell us about, you know, um, the exercise requirements for health. They say 75 to 150 minutes per week. So that's about 20 to 30 minutes, uh, five days a week. So I think that's really reasonable for anyone to fit into their schedule. They say to do a mixture of cardio and strength training, but again, it, it doesn't have to be the treadmill. Cardio is anything that gets your heart rate up. And strength training doesn't have to be you know, dumbbells and, and lifting weights, it could just be some sort of body resistance training. So it's just, again, kind of zooming out the lens and getting rid of the rules and figuring out ways that you can do this from a place of body respect and abundance and positivity as opposed to, you know, white knuckling restriction. That sounds amazing. But it also sounds like you know, many people live by these rules without actually knowing that this is intuitive uh, nutrition, uh, or perhaps it's still something, you know, that they need. So for example, let's take myself when I'm not pregnant, or like my son says, when, when, when I'm unpregnant, uh, let, let's take me. So I eat relatively healthy. I don't have any eating disorders. I exercise, you know, at my own pleasure. Do I still need an intuitive nutrition coach? Um, you know, it, it depends. It really depends. I, I feel like there's some form of disorder anytime we are trying to manipulate our weight for the sake of the weight. You know, um, everybody has encoded in their genetics a weight set range. And that's maybe five to 10 pounds where your particular body feels the most comfortable, um, runs most optimally and, and, and is the most healthy. And for everybody that's different, even if you have somebody, I'm five, four, even if you have somebody else who's five, four, that doesn't necessarily mean that we're both going to be the same way. Our genetics are different. And, you know, your, your ancestry, your history, that all has a really big hand in how big or small your body is. And, you know, not everybody is going to be naturally thin. And I think part of the issue that people run into is, you know, they all want to be the same weight. They all want to be thin, but the reality of it is not everybody can. Um, and that's just a genetic thing. Um, so you, you kind of have to make a decision. Do you want to fight your genetics and your body your entire life trying to get down to a weight that you think you should be? Um, or are you just going to kind of embrace your body as it is and 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 respect it and appreciate it and and feed it and move it in a way that feels good to it instead of trying to force it into a box it wasn't it wasn't ever meant to be and a lot of the work i do with clients is debunking diet culture and debunking these myths that we hear about thinness in relation to health um scientists are starting to see this thing called the obesity paradox and what the obesity paradox is showing us in science is that 
people who are slightly overweight on the BMI scale, the body mass index scale, they actually have, they actually live longer <laughs> than people who are normal, quote unquote, normal weight, underweight or obese. It's a slightly overweight category that seems to do the best, live the longest, have the best longevity. And it's it's stumping scientists a little bit because we've been told all this time that the thinner you are, the healthier you are. And it's like, oh wait, what is this? So some of the some of the um theories that they're that they're coming up with is it might be that people who are slightly overweight uh, get more time with their doctor, more medical care. Um, and the other theory is that uh, the cushion, the extra weight is uh, protective of vital organs and bones as we age. And, you know, when we get into our you know, 70s, 80s, 90s, when, you know, cancers start to increase and, you know, I guess typically we're all going to die of maybe some sort of cancer or chronic illness in the end. When we get those chronic illnesses, we tend to lose weight. Like people tend to kind of waste away. And if you have a little more meat on your bones, you waste away, you know, more slowly, <laughs> you, know, you don't, you, you have weight to lose. So that's, it's, it's another kind of protective measure, but, you know, really debunking this idea that thin is better thin is more beautiful. It's all bullshit. It's all, um, uh, a social construct really. It, it wasn't until the 1900s that thin people were considered more attractive and better, it, you know, in the 1800s, from the 1500s to the 1900s, it was, if you were a fuller figure, you were considered to be more fertile. You were considered to be of a higher social class and you were considered, you know, of the upper echelon, right? So it's like, it's, it's, and in certain countries, being in a larger body is still more preferred to being in a smaller body. So it's very much something that society has come up with that we've kind of all bought into. And we're not even really challenging whether those beliefs are serving us or not. Fascinating. Like literally with every question that I ask, it, it's just, I'm getting more and more in love with this, uh, you know, with this uh, topic of intuitive eating. However, I have a tricky question for you. Uh, so there is uh, disordered eating and there is eating disorders. Is there a difference in between them? Or is it the same thing? There is a 100% difference between disordered eating and eating disorders. And it's such a great question to ask because eating disorders are things like anorexia, bulimia, binge eating disorder. Um, and these are all diagnosable disorders according to what, what's called the DSM-5. So there is a list of criteria that you have to meet in order to be considered to have one of these eating disorders. Um, Things like orthorexia is not currently recognized in the DSM-5 um, diagnosis. Uh, it's it's something that they're trying to get in there, but it's not in there yet. So so orthorexia would fall would fall under disordered eating. So disordered eating is basically anything that's not intuitive eating. It's anything where you are using um, external tools or behaviors to manipulate your weight as opposed to letting your weight just fall where it's naturally supposed to be. So things like um, weighing yourself in order to kind of gauge where you are in a, in a um, journey to get a certain weight. Um, it is counting calories, counting macros, um, 
you know, not eating whole food groups because you fear they lead to fat or weight gain, right? This isn't for the people who are like, have celiac disease and can't have gluten. Like that's a totally different argument. That's, you know, that's fine. Um, uh, you know, measuring body parts, uh, uh, exercising in order to earn food or to make up for something that you've eaten to uh, ignore hunger cues, um, binging, overeating, um, emotionally eating, all of those things are would be considered disordered eating. That's awesome. Thank you very much. Um, another question that I wanted to ask you about is the following. In one of the like one of the phrases that I caught uh, you said before uh, is that you said that um, healing your relationship with your body isn't about the food. Well, for most people, you know, healing the relationship with the body is about the food because you know this is what we put in our body and this is you know kind of how we take care of our body right with using food so if it's not the food then what is it so so one thing i definitely want to say is that like i do want i do want everybody to understand that you can use food as a way to take care of your body like i love eating vegetables and protein and i love nutritiously dense foods nourishing foods i think that's a that is one of many ways that we can take care of our bodies. But um, remind me of the question one more time. Uh, sorry, let me unmute myself. I'm I mute so you know everybody can uh, hear you. You said that uh, in in one of the phrases beforehand, you said that healing your relationship with your body isn't about the food. Right. If it's right. not about the food, what is it about? It's, it's not about the food, your relationship is not with your body isn't about the food because it's about something deeper than that. I, I find dieting and trying to lose weight or get to a goal weight to be more of a band-aid of sorts. It's, um, it's, it's something more than that that we're all searching for. It's what I find is when I ask clients why they wanna lose weight and they give me an answer, and then I ask them, well, why do they want that? as I kind of drill down their, their rationale and their thought process with just a simple question of why, I find that it comes down to four things. People either are looking for safety, acceptance, validation, or love. Um, and I call it salve for short, like a salve, like an ointment that you would put on the wound. So S-A-L-V-E. So safety, acceptance, love, validation. And I saw this with myself because, you know, in my mind, originally, I thought that my problem was my weight. And when I got down to a certain weight, I would be happy and I would be confident in my body and people would think I was, you know, pretty and, and worthy and everything would be fine. What I realized I was looking for is I was looking for a sense of validation again. You know, I, I was in the adult world. I had no way to um, kind of measure my worth. And I was, I wasn't getting the A or the gold star anymore. I was, I had lost that sense of validation in my life. And I was trying to seek it through a goal weight, through looking a certain way to other people so that other people could say things like, you look so great. You look so fit. You look whatever. So part of my problem, so it wasn't really about the food. It wasn't really about my body. It was, I was missing that validation that I, I'd been getting that made me feel good. Um, you know, some people do it because they want to feel safe. They feel like because our society is so 
obsessed with thin people and are, we're always praising thin people that if they're in a thinner body, they'll be safe from other people's criticism about their bodies, right? And criticism never feels good. Uh, we want to feel accepted, right? If we're in a thinner body, we're more socially acceptable. And that's an evolutionary thing. Um, when when we were, you know, hunters and gatherers at the beginning of, you know, humanity, if we were ostracized from the group, if the group kicked us out, we would be eaten by a predator or starved to death. So it's, it, there's a very real need for us to be accepted by the people around us. And in a very thin society, of course, if you're thinner, you're going to feel like you're more accepted somehow. Um, and love, right? Again, when we look at Hollywood movies, it's always this thin, pretty young girl that gets the, the guy in the end. And I know that's very, you know, heteronormative, but just for the, the sake of an example, um, so the the underlying message in all of those movies that show that one type of female lead that gets the guy, we're told, okay, well, if we don't look like that, we must not get the guy. We must not get the love that we want. So it's it's a deeper layer. Um, one way that I like to to explain it is through metaphor, since I'm an English teacher, this is how I do things. It's like if you're allergic to strawberries and you continuously eat strawberries and then you keep having to shoot yourself with an EpiPen in order to stop the allergic reaction. Weight loss and dieting is like the EpiPen. It's like, it's that temporary fix. It's that short-term fix for the allergic reaction when all you really need to do is get to the source. You need to stop eating the strawberries. If you just did that, you would never need the diet. So if we just heal our relationship with ourselves, give ourselves the safety, acceptance, love, and validation that we need in a different way, in a more healthy way, we wouldn't need diets to get it done because diets aren't addressing the root cause in the way that we need them to. That is awesome. And I love the metaphor. Like that is like true. Like let's treat the root of the problem, uh, the actual symptoms. Uh, but does that mean that you do not like with intuitive uh, nutrition, you do not need, or you like, actually, no, let me paraphrase the question. Do you need to follow some kind of plan, uh, nutrition plan or exercise plan within the uh, intuitive nutrition coaching program? Is no, there a you need to have? You don't need a plan um, with intuitive eating. I, I do feel like, you know, life happens. We're all very busy. A lot of us work outside of the home and it, it's not practical to on a whim, be able to whip up whatever meal that you want. So I very much encourage my clients to do things like meal prepping, which is something that a lot of people who are on diets also do. But I like to frame it as a way to prepare nourishing, nutrient-dense foods that you can have in your fridge, that you can grab at the ready if you want them, but it's not a rigid plan that you have to stick to. It's not like if you make salads for lunch for the week that you have to have a salad every single day if you have the opportunity to have something else. But it's just a way that with our busy schedules, we can have nu nutritious foods ready to go if we want them. Um, and I, I work outside of my house for a good portion of the day. So I have to plan my breakfasts and lunches and snacks. And that that's totally okay to do. Um, I definitely have a, a certain time of the day that I usually work out. I usually work out six days a week, but I really like exercise. I love 
lifting heavy and, and, and doing, and I don't really love cardio. I, I do it because I know I need to get my heart rate up, but I try to pick things that I enjoy. Like I love bar classes. I love, um, MMA style fighting stuff. Um, I don't like high intensity interval training. I don't like hit. Um, so kind of, you know, I, I do have a consistent schedule. I like the challenge of exercise and I do it consistently. So yeah, there, there's definitely structure that you can have in place. And one of the things that I think is really beautiful about being an intuitive eater is you realize that there are just certain foods that don't feel good in your body and you just decide you don't want to eat them, not because you're fearful of them or fearful of weight gain or, or because they're unhealthy, just because they don't, they don't go well with your, you know, digestive system. So that that's another, I think, really key thing about intuitive eating that I want people to know is it's all about instead of, you know focusing on what our weight is, we focus on how our body feels after we eat something. So that's, that kind of helps to dispel the myth that all you'll do is eat cake and ice cream. Because if you did that all the time, you would feel like crap. You would feel so bad. Like your body would be like, I need something fresh right now because I need like certain vitamins and minerals that you're not giving me here. Um, so, you know, I've learned, for example, that I don't like fried food. I just, there's something about it. It must be the type of oil that restaurants cook with that doesn't agree with my body, but I'll end up like not being able to poop for three days. Like, it's just like, it's, and I just feel like super bloated and just like not comfortable. And I'm like, all right, well, you know, it's not because fried foods are unhealthy, but I just, I know every time I eat them, I feel like crap. So I'm just going to avoid them. Like, I don't need them. I don't feel restricted for not having them. I just know that that's something that doesn't agree with me. And when I was a dieter, if there was like a dessert table at like a holiday or something, I would have one of everything, even if I didn't like it, just because it was there. And it was like my opportunity to have a cheat day. But now like if someone gives me a donut, I don't like donuts. Like I'm very picky with my desserts now because I know I can have them whenever I want. So I'm more of like an ice cream girl, but I don't need cookies or I don't need um like donuts and pastries that's just not my jam and I can have broccoli every single day and be so happy I love broccoli so it's just it's finding a balance by concentrating on how you feel as opposed to what your body looks like or how much it weighs I can certainly relate I feel the same after curry uh, like I love curry, but I don't like the feeling after curry. So I literally eat it so rarely and only if it's, I don't even know what needs to happen for me to have curry, like chicken curry, because it's just something that is for exact same reason. I love the taste, but I don't like the after feeling. And then I choose for myself because I'm going to feel bad for the next three days. I know that. So I choose for myself, for my sake, that I'm just going to order a different like kind of type of food. I'm not going to use, so I am an intuitive eater now after all. <laughs> yes, you are, girl. Love it. Amazing. Okay, so I've, uh, uh, you know, you've told us so much about everything, uh, but obviously you do need somebody, like we, we do need more information on it. So um, how can uh, the listeners, the viewers, how can they find you? I also know that you have a book coming sometime in spring. So how can they find you? How can they find your book? Where are you <laughs> to, help, <laughs> to help all of us? And also like what like, if you offer some kind of coaching or perhaps you have a pre-recorded program, whatever that is people need if they realize that intuitive nutrition is their thing, how can they find you and what can you do for them? 
So people can find me at freedomwithfoodandfitness.com. Uh, I'm mostly in terms of social media on Instagram. So I'm at Freedom With Food and Fitness. And yeah, I have a book coming out in uh, in the spring of 2023 with Urano Publishing. So it's going to be published worldwide, English and Spanish in all formats, hardcover, softcover, ebook, audiobook. And it's called Freedom With Food and Fitness, How Intuitive Eating is the Key to Being Your Happiest, Healthiest Self. So that pretty much says exactly what intuitive eating is. Um, yeah, but I, I do offer group coaching virtually. So anyone around the world can join my program. It's called Defy the Diet, and it's a 10-week group coaching program. There is private coaching built into it, worksheets, meditations, private Facebook group, um, all of the accountability and support that someone would need in order to start or continue on an intuitive eating journey. We go over the principles. We go over uh, realistic strategies to implement this in your life today. And we also dig into the mindset work that we were talking about before, the safety, acceptance, love, validation, like all of the reasons we might have thoughts and beliefs around food and health in our bodies and how to kind of challenge and get rid of some of the beliefs that maybe aren't serving us and pick ones that serve us better. That sounds amazing. And you actually stole my next question because I was like, so how does your coaching? Because every, you know, we all use different approaches to help people. And like, oh, that's what I wanted to ask. How's your coaching works? But like you've already explained it all. Uh, so I just want to thank you for uh, your time. Uh, thank you for agreeing to do this uh, interview, this talk uh, for the Feed Faces app. And I hope everybody who feels right now that intuitive nutrition is for them, is this is something like that you want to uh, introduce into your life, you can go and you can find uh, Alana on her Instagram, on her uh, webpage, uh, buy her book in spring, don't forget about that. And uh, we will have all the links under this video. So uh, whatever you guys uh, want, wherever you guys want to find Alana, uh, the information will be under this video. So you can click on whatever link uh, and uh, ask Alana a question. Thank you very much, Alana. Thank you, Natalia. So that is it for today's episode. Seriously, of all the podcasts you can be listening to, I'm so honored that you took the time to listen to mine. I'm also so proud of you for taking this small step forward toward food and body freedom. If you like what you hear and you want to work with me as your coach, go to freedomwithfoodandfitness.com to schedule a free 15-minute discovery call. That way I can hear your specific needs and set up a game plan for your success. I would also be so, so grateful if you could subscribe, follow, rate, and review this podcast so many more people who need help with dieting, body image, disordered eating, and fitness can find our message of freedom. Until next time.